Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. It's a walk-off. I'm Holy Kusher alongside Ryan Spader, brought to you by betonline.ag and, of course, Blue Wire Pods. My friend Spader, you and I were sitting here talking for like a half hour before the show started, and I asked you the first game you ever went to, and you told me you fell on the field. What the hell is going on with you? Yeah, when I was, uh, I think I was seven or eight years old, uh, my father... Uh, my parents didn't have much money when I was growing up, and my father rarely got really good tickets for us to go see the Phillies. Fortunately, we went often because they were cheap, because the Veterans Stadium was awful. And um, the, uh, the I think it went up to like the 700 level. And um, this one particular time, one of the guys, my father was working in a deli. One of the guys who came to his deli gave him front row seats. And... Um, Rico Bronia was having a catch with the pitcher because it was one of those weird situations where there was an injury and the pitcher wasn't allowed to throw to the catcher to stay warm. And uh, a ball got away from Rico Bronia, and my father was holding me by the legs over the ledge trying to reach for the ball. And this dude had a, back when you could bring whatever you wanted into a, a ballpark, had a fishing net, and he's reaching for the ball as well. My father keeps pushing me further and further out, and I'm trying to get this ball and uh, then he drops me on the field. Meanwhile, Rico Bronia was trotting over, and um, Bronia picked me up, uh, gave me the baseball, gave me back to my father. And um, then he went on to hit not one, but two home runs. He hit a go-ahead home run, or excuse me, a game-tying home run in, I think, the seventh inning, and then a, a walk-off in the, um, I, I want to say it was extra innings, but I, I don't particularly recall. I've looked it up a few times. Uh, I actually was fortunate enough to talk uh, to Rico about that a couple of years ago, but he's since um, since he's I think he's gotten out of the coaching thing. He's distanced himself from uh, social media and everything. I don't did even he know remember? What he's up to. Uh, he said he did, but a lot of times I think those guys say that they remember stuff that they don't actually just to make dumbasses like me feel good about themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because there's there's athletes that hit me up and like, hey, remember the interview we had? And look at me, I'm a schlub. I'm gonna I'm like sports talk show host and i don't remember talking to them so imagine an athlete you meet an athlete and they don't remember who the hell you are and you can't take it personally i feel like people oh i met him and he didn't remember of course he doesn't remember who you are he has seven trillion people he's talking i've probably done fifty thousand interviews in my life you think i remember talking with rico bronia you know so don't get upset when an athlete doesn't remember that time you met him it happens from time to time did you ever meet darren dalton yes you did <laughs> Now, he, that Dalton. dude's a space cadet. He was he was one of the most affable characters in all of baseball. Phillies, what, early 90s? 
Yeah. Um, so Dutch started with the Phillies in '85, I think, was his rookie uh, rookie season, and um, of course was a huge part of the '93 team. Uh, I, I think he was actually a captain for the Phillies, if I recall. But um, as, as I mentioned, talking about Rico Bronia, um, when I grew up, my my parents didn't have much money. My dad was working in a supermarket. Um, Hold on, last time he was working scooping ice cream. Now he's in a supermarket. No, he's changing a deli, the story here. A deli supermarket, a deli. Go on. What are you What are you doing to me? I don't know. You're telling me one day he's in a deli, the next he's in a supermarket. It's then the he's same thing. Ice cream. I mean, come on. I had nothing. I said, never said ice cream. I don't know. I, see, this is why I know you're lying. You keep changing your stories here. We got I never said meat, anything about ice cream. Ice cream. Ridiculous. I'm losing my mind here. I, now you got me thinking. I said I, I never said ice cream. All right, uh, what's going on with Darren Dalton? Jesus, let me get to the point. So, when um. When I, was, I got a little bit older, my father went back to school, uh, eventually got his real estate license. Uh, he did that for a while and then started his own real estate company, and he had some success with that. And he used to, uh, his company used to, um, uh, I guess, sponsor the AT&T Invitational that was at Aronimic uh, Golf Course in Ardmore, um, Pennsylvania, which is not far from where uh, I grew up. And they had a tent on the 17th green that was like you go in, all you can eat, all you can drink, that that type of thing. And we were hanging out. I was hanging out with some of the um, younger guys who were working for my father at the time. And uh, Darren Dalton was walking by, and we all caught, we all saw him. We ran down, and we invited him up. We were like, oh, Dutch, come on. you got to have some beers with us. Darren Dalton came up into the tent on the uh, 17th, and in about 50 minutes took down, I would say, about 13, 14 Michelob Ultras. We were having a great time. He had to go, and uh, he was like, hey, you know, guys, I'll come see you tomorrow. We're going to hang out again. It was a great time. We're all excited, right? Well, he didn't show up the next day, and then the following day was the final day of the tournament, and we saw him again. And we were like, yo, Dutch, what, wh- where have you been? Like, we thought you were going to come back to the, have some beers with us again. Like, what's going on? And he looks at us and goes, who the fuck are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about not remembering <laughs> That's terrific. That is a great story. Yeah, of course they don't remember. They don't. It, it, <laughs> I wouldn't either. All right, good stuff. Can we get? Let's get going on the show here. We got some good stuff for you. Uh, Spader came out with a Twitter poll. We'll get to momentarily. Major League Baseball is report now. Grapefruit cactus leagues. If they play this year, they're going to call the you know two two leagues: the grapefruit and the cactus. Seventy-two percent of Americans say they won't go to a sporting event until the vaccine is uh, made, and then we got robot fans in Taiwan. Let's start with your Twitter poll because you got some great, some great numbers here. And the question was, what? Like, pick one of these guys for four or five years in their prime. Is that correct? Yeah. So what I did was I actually, and I guess I'm going to do this because it had some success. I ran the poll on our uh, show account, Twitter account, which you should follow at the walk off pod on Twitter. And we have uh, over 4,100 votes. And I said, uh, you get one of the following four p- ball players for their five prime seasons. Who are you taking? Derek Jeter. And I put them in alphabetical order. People try to take away from putting them in a certain order, so I, I'd only do alphabetical. You got Derek Jeter, Ichiro, Joey Votto, and Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. And uh, the results through 4,133 show Derek Jeter at 8%. Ichiro at 28%, Joey Votto, 26%, and Tony Gwynn at 38%. So when I saw you come up with this, I knew your answer was going to be Joey Votto, just because you love Joey Votto so much. 
and he is the most underrated player in the game today. And so, I'm objective about these things. Well, you're not very objective, no, because <laughs> you love you love Joey Votto. And I said to you, I said Tony Gwynn, and I don't even care about the numbers, though. I am not objective. This is quite subjective. If you ever give me a choice between Tony Gwynn and another player that's played in the last 30 years, I'm taking Tony Gwynn. Barry Bonds. Uh, unless it's Barry Bonds. That's it. It's Tony Gwynn or Barry Bonds. Boom. And that's the end of it. You will, you, I have two choices in my life. Who's the best players? Barry Bonds, Tony Gwynn. It's funny. I'm cleaning out my house because I'm, I'm moving into a new place in the middle of this COVID-stricken world. That's going to be really sick. This could be our last show together, by the way. And then um, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. RIP. I've got, I'm going to send you the, I'm going to text you the name of somebody else you can do the show with. It won't be as good or as fun, but you'll still at least get uh, the job done. But it said the headline or the cover of Sports Illustrated, the greatest hitter since Ted Williams. And that's what Tony Gwynn was. But you said Joey Votto. So tell me, give me the statistics because it's now time for Spader's stats, stats, stats. (laughs) All right, Spader's stats, do it. Joey Votto. First, I will say that I'm kind of inclined to agree with the greatest hitter since Ted Williams. But when you come to the plate, it's more than just being about a hitter, just making contact. Nobody was better at making contact, at putting the ball in play than Tony Gwynn. And he was feared for that reason. Uh, not unlike when we talked about Placido Polanco and his ability to strike fear into pitchers just because couldn't, you couldn't get him out with a strikeout. Tony Gwynn was 10 times better than Polanco ever was. Um, but the thing is, he wasn't a better batsman is the term that I use, than Joey Votto. Joey Votto had a better understanding of the strike zone, even though his ability to put the bat on the ball isn't quite as good as Tony Gwynn. Having said that, he has a lot more power than Gwynn does, and obviously with a ton more walks. People are very nostalgic when it comes to Tony Gwynn because he's got the the um, statistics like uh, the fact that he went up against Maddox and... Um, Faced him 107 times, more than any other player that he had uh, faced in in his entire career. And um, in those 107 times, he batted 415 with zero strikeouts. He, uh, you want to throw in Glavin, Smoltz, the rest of that trio, and then even Pedro Martinez. He faced those guys 323 combined times and batted 373 with just three strikeouts. These are all fantastic numbers, obviously. But Gwynn was not the on-base guy that, um, that Joey Votto was, or is even. Uh, Votto had a kind of a down season last year, but um, I, I, I still think that he is like the quietest Hall of Famer maybe of all time. I mean, when we're talking on-base percentage, he led the league in on-base percentage in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 16, 17, mm-hmm. and 18. And then um, he's missing 14 and 15 in there. Well, he had a 440 on base percentage in those uh, in that two year gap in which he failed to lead the league in on base percentage. Uh, Gwyn, or excuse me, Vado has some of those stats that um, Gwyn does in that uh, at a certain point he he had gone 27,668 pitches, uh, 6,764 plate appearances without uh, a pop out on. Um, uh, to the pitcher, catcher, or first baseman. And he, at that point, he had only three uh, on the infield grass. And that's the kind of stuff that Tony Gwynn did that people really seem to appreciate and at times over-appreciate. But um, Votto overall, just uh, just a better batsman. I'm not going to say he was a better hitter, but when you compare his career slash line, you're getting guys like um, Jimmy Fox, uh, just 
here, here are your players with um, a better career batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage. You got your guy Ted Williams, Jimmy mm-hmm. Fox, Lou Gehrig, Rogers Hornsby, and Babe Ruth. So Votto, in terms of war even, is your absolute number one guy there. The other three, it's a lot closer. Um, Ichiro, again, has some of those really fun stats that Tony Gwynn has. Uh, he singled the center in his 10th career at bat, raising his lifetime batting average as 300. It never fell below that mark. Um, but Ichiro didn't have the complete body of work that all of those other guys did. If you've got to take one season from those four players, you're probably going with Ichiro's 2004 season. It's probably the best season of any of them um, in which he hit, set the hit record. He had nearly 10 wins above replacement. But for the most part, he's, he's just not there with the rest of them. And we've talked ad nauseum about Derek Jeter's numbers and how he wasn't necessarily the best um, shortstop. But because of his offensive production at shortstop, he actually might be your number two guy in terms of just objectively sub, uh, selecting the best player, uh, the best value player here. So my list so- looks something like Votto, and then I'm in between on uh, uh, Gwynn and Jeter. Uh, I probably lean Gwynn for no other reason than the nostalgia thing, which is why he's your number one. Ichiro's la- and- Why did you like Ichiro? He's not overrated. One of the greatest baseball players in the history of the world, especially if you go back to his time in Japan. But you can't this is do a that. major leaguer. What do you I mean? I hate when people say that's. That. F- I'm just saying. Well, you have to put it in there because he didn't come over here until he's 27. Let's go back to. I'm not uh, even going to take his his numbers over there. Okay, I won't even take his numbers. I just wonder why you think he's overrated, given you know not only what he did offensively, getting on base, stealing bases, defensively. I mean, I, I if you're telling me he's not one of the top two or three at any position defensively in the outfield during his time. I don't know what the hell you're looking at. I don't know what your metrics are. No, I, I, I agree, though. However, we've talked a number of times about the um, overvaluing of all-time great defense over just great defense, right? And mm-hmm. that's what Ichiro had was all-time great defense. He had an all-time great arm. He was not one of the best at getting on base. We, uh, Adam Dunn, for example, and I know we talked about this with the Preston Wilson controversy, but Adam Dunn had a two thirty seven career batting average and an on-base percentage that was nine points higher than what Ichiro had for his career. He's not an all-time guy in terms of getting on base. Well, I think people was, just don't like him because he doesn't have like this OPS that is – as a matter of fact, his OPS is pedestrian. You know, it's yeah. 757. His OPS plus is 107. There's some guys you don't judge by OPS, though. They don't go out and you know hit home runs. They're still great players despite not hitting tons of home runs. Guy's well, still 509 bases. I mean, there's got to be something there. He was a terrific base stealer. There's got to be something for that. He did end up scoring a ton of runs. You know, defensively, he did help his team out a ton. Um, he put so much pressure on a pitcher because of what he did on the base pass. I just think that, again, I'm all about the numbers with you, but we still have to do, we have to look at some other things besides for just the numbers when we're talking about how great a player is. And, and agree, again, I, I agree. But when you are looking for the most valuable guy for your team, mm-hmm. that's all you should really be considering. We talk about Ichiro's season, which was his best and probably the best of any of them, that 2004 season. Well, his OPS plus was 130, which was a career high for him, right? Uh, he had never eclipsed that ever. Ryan Howard, excluding his last two seasons, Ryan Howard, who fell off a cliff, his first 11 seasons had an OPS plus of 130, which was what Ichiro's career high. At some point, you've got to put some stock into that. And um, I, I, 
Ichiro just doesn't do it there. Uh, offense for a an outfielder is the number one most important thing. Um, and I would agree that it's probably the most important for any position outside of uh, outside of catcher. And Derek Jeter is a great example of that because he was a horrible shortstop defensively, but contributed to that team at such a degree offensively that it outweighed how poorly he played on defense. And base running, not that important um, in terms of stolen ba- eh, stolen bases. Ichiro was a great uh, great base dealer, but. Um, in order for for there to be value as a at a as a guy who steals bases, you gotta steal five out of every seven to have a uh, net zero impact in terms of um, your your value to the team. And Ichiro's career stolen base percentage was eighty one point three percent. That five out of seven uh, off the top of my head is about 76.5%. So he's a little bit better than what your uh, net zero hey, is, is some for their stolen bases. Gonna, is some asshole going to look at me sometime and say that Ichiro is not Hall of Fame worthy? Is somebody is somebody really going to do that and make no. the, make that point because of his OPS and his I, OPS I plus? think Ichiro will get 100%, honestly. 100%? Yeah. Um, and... But just to just to let you know, in terms of Ichiro's career uh, runs from uh, base running, his entire career, for as good of a base runner as he was, he had um, 62 runs in terms of his value added as a base runner. Now we're looking at uh, Joey Votto, his runs as a batter in just one season. Uh, hold on, I feel like it's just one season, his best season. Uh, 2015 that was worth 60 so one season of Joey Votto in terms of his uh, runs from batting was basically what Ichiro contributed in his career from base running it's just not that valuable the bat is the most important thing all right we got to move on buddy that was uh that was a long discussion about that and I actually enjoyed it but if you don't think Ichiro is going to the hall of fame and I'm not saying obviously 100 percent what are you talking about if somebody's going to make that argument they can go you know what they could be uh A-Rod to Jose Canseco by by the way Jose Canseco, great follow on Twitter. Happy Easter to everybody but A-Rod is what Jose Canseco came out with. Amy Trask, uh, she's big in NFL. She used to be, uh, she was the only female GM in the NFL. She worked for Al Davis and the Raiders. She's like, is he serious about this? I said, yes, Amy, he is. He is serious. And it made her sad. I was like, why are you sad? A-Rod has hired a great PR firm. He, they set him up with J-Lo. He's completely turned his life around, his image around. He's still the same douchebag that he ever was. He's not a yeah. different person just because he started dating J-Lo. Can we relax here? Yeah, like, did you, you see that? G- give me a break. He did that awful TikTok video. I can't believe we're talking about this. I'm uh, you're talking about it. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to make a transition to something else because we don't have any baseball. We don't have any hockey. We don't have an NBA. But you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you're wrong. We've got our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Hundreds of events, games, props to wager on. Online casino, blackjack, poker. They got everything that's in Vegas, and they put it right there in your house or wherever you are. If you're missing the NFL, no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden 20 simulations you can bet on. You can bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, open 24 hours a day, all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE today. Receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Okay, so we look at this here and the, the latest proposal. Now, we did our show. We taped last Sunday, and right after that, Passon, Jeff Passon, who actually 
it's funny his radio career started with me too i get all these guys have these great jobs and then my life went to hell it's amazing how that happens spader so you're you're gonna be just fine he came out (laughs) he had this report somebody from major league baseball leaked it to him you know they're gonna you're gonna start baseball in what may they're gonna go play in arizona and then the second i looked at this i said major league baseball is trying to stay relevant and i don't blame this is great idea it's pr so every week you're going to see something else from major league baseball like you already have every week you'll have another cockamamie idea and this idea is major league baseball is going to go to arizona again but now they're only going to have the grapefruit and cactus uh leagues so you're going to have like the mets and the yankees in the same in the same league and then you'll have the a's and the giants in the same league and i just want this goes back to this again none of this matters we're not going to have baseball anytime soon. Trump can open up the economy. And I'm telling you, we, you had a guy, I think it was Lee Tunnel. We, you and I, you, you come up with these silly names when I send you the information. And, and I look at you on a screen. It's, and it, for me, it says Blue Wire Pods because I'm the host. For you, it says Scott Sanderson. Nice guy, too. You had Lee Tunnel earlier. I looked it up. Lee Tunnel's 59 years old and he works for the Reds. If Lee Tunnel is out there playing with a bunch of guys or, or standing there in a the base, and he gets coronavirus, he's dead, right? So what? there's just too many obstacles here, Spader. We're not having baseball anytime soon. You already lost your bet. You might as well make another one with me because now I'm willing to go into mid-June, maybe even to July at this point. Just know this. When you see all these stories coming out and they're leaked by the bigger names in baseball reporting, it's Major League Baseball trying to stay relevant because none of this is happening. Uh, you mean like everything? Because e- Everything. No, I, I mean, I agree completely because these are the same people you get the story about the Astros from, right? The Astros are the only ones doing the sign-stealing nonsense, and they're the only one who gets blamed for the, all this stuff. It's the exact same thing over and over again. I believe, and now we're going off on a tangent, but who the hell cares? I, I think that a lot of these guys are in Major League Baseball's pockets. and <laughs> What, getting paid? I don't think they're getting paid. Well, they're getting, maybe not directly, but... They're getting favors. So here's, a, here's what it is. Let's take Passett, for example. I respect the guy. I think he's the best baseball writer out there right now. I'm but, a little offended. I know you are. But he'll, what he'll do is he'll say, okay, I'll take this. Well, right now he's dying for content. So whatever Major League Baseball, whatever stake they want to throw at him, he's throwing it on the grill. But it's like, hey, I'll give you this story. You get it out there. And then maybe sometime you need something from me. So it's a scratch and back thing. You scratch your back. That's how, that's how reporting works. That's how real good reporters do it. So, yes, good. right now, Passon's sitting there, and somebody from MLB is going to send him another story. And this week, we're going to have some, th- some other crazy proposal they're going to do. They're going to go play baseball in Japan. Okay, everybody will go. They're going to fly to Japan, or they're going to fly to Finland where there's no COVID, and they'll go have their season out there. That's the you next the, story to pop up. Maybe they should just all fly to North Korea because they have no uh, coronavirus, no COVID. Do they have – how are their stadiums over there? I'm uh... – I I, I, I I believe they're cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Is that what they are? Kind of well, like hey, everything we're else. Get the robot fans in Taiwan, man, come on, that's funny. How did they? I didn't even bother to read that. How, how did, you wanted to get into that? How did they do it? Please, please. <laughs> so, things are done differently in the Far East than they are here. I'm sure they look at us and say that some of our things are a little bit weird. Um, I would say some of the things they do over there are odd. I think eating scorpions is a little bit weird. What about bats? Eating bats, not safe. 
Okay, I'm not, I don't know if anybody did that, but I'm just saying if you do that, pangolins, probably not the safest meat to eat. Um, in Japan, uh, I don't know what, what, what's a little bit, I love Sapporo. It's the only beer I drink, so he, heads up to Japan. But in Taiwan, which has nothing to do with Japan, does it? Um, they had robot fans in the stands to try and make it a little bit more, uh, I guess, normal. But when you think about it, having robots in the stands is not normal at all, is it? You might now, as well get blow-up sex dolls and put them out there and have like 100 steal? fans go in there and have some fun while the game's going on. I don't you, get this robot fan thing. You completely took my joke. I, I was going to say, are these like virtual fans or are they... No, they're uh, robots. Like, are they iRobot, like Will Smith type of things, or are they like the sex dolls that you have? They're Roombas. And that was my joke, and you ruined it. Yeah, well, to, it was obviously wasn't a good joke if, if both of us thought about it. So <laughs> in, in, I'm looking at the picture right now. So some of them look like mannequins, okay? But there's others that look like legit sex dolls. Like I would buy one of these for three or $4,000 at this point. <laughs> I'm looking Jeez. at this one with the ponytails. I'm going, I, if she's 18, I'm totally down with it. I, I, th I think that like two weeks ago, somehow sex dolls came up. And I think at that point you were like, eh, my three or $4,000 is worth more elsewhere. And yeah, well, so at this point, desperate times, desperate measures, my friend. But right seriously, on. they have these dolls there. Most of them are guys, all right? They're, they're guys and they dress them up in red jerseys. And then they have these cutouts. I don't know if they're cardboard or not. They have cutouts and it's guys with liquor. Um, it's just very bizarre and we don't need that. We don't need it. We don't need stormtroopers in there. We don't need fake robots. We have like, here's the other one, like legit robots. Think about a robot, um, from like five years ago. What do you think a robot looks like? And they have them in the stands playing drums and doing things seriously. And they're playing drums and this it's is, a horrible beat. I mean, it, it's kind of like, um, it, would it be a situation where you ever see, I, I mean, I, I hate the idea that we're watching players play video games right now, but do you ever see like what the fans actually are doing in the, in the stands in those video games? And it's, it's ridiculous. What are they doing? Where, well, I mean, uh, they, what is his name? Uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name because that's what I do. Um, but the the Zips guy, Sezbowski, uh, I, can't, I can't, can't pronounce Zips? his name. Zips? I don't even know who Zips is. Yeah. But um, he he put a video up of um, this dude, like, celebrating because he got a hot dog. <laughs> and he's, like, celebrating, like, the team hit a walk-off home run. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> but is this what we're going to be dealing with in Taiwan? No, I, well, in Taiwan, fine. I actually, I actually saw some highlights there. There was nothing in the stands. I didn't see any robots. We don't need that here. We're going to – if we have baseball this year, there won't be any fans. This is not the CDC talking. This is somebody using logic and reason. And I'm fine with that. And I even read a couple of players like, we don't want to play without fans. Why? First of all, you get your paycheck. Second of all, I just want baseball, man. I mean, there was a, and there was a horse tournament on the internet today. I watched about three seconds of it. It was the worst thing ever. You know how much better baseball will be if they played actual games without people? We've seen games without people. The, the, the White Sox and the Orioles in Baltimore, it's going to be fine. I will watch, and I, I don't need blow-up dolls. I don't need robots. All I need is guys playing. And we could hear the guys in the dugouts yelling and screaming, and that'll be enough for me. You know, it, it kind of uh, reminds me, I guess it would be the complete opposite of um, 
I've done, I don't know if MLB uh, TV allows it anymore, but I've done a situation where I'm watching a game and I can't stand the announcers to the degree that I would switch it on stadium mode and you can just actually hear the sound of the crowd and everything, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. But I guess it would be a situation where all you can hear is the announcers and it sounds like they're in a soundproof room or something. Well, that's what happens. Like uh, Texas Rangers games, I cannot watch on television. It drives me up the wall. It's the worst broadcasting career I've ever heard in my life. And now we get down another thing where I'm shitting on people that I kind of know, but they know that I don't think they're good anyways, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, they know what I think of them. But there are some broadcasts that are just absolutely impossible to listen to. Absolutely impossible. I actually have a good friend that is a play-by-play guy, and I, I have yet to tell him that I think he sucks, but I have r- gone around about to where I think he knows that I don't think he's any good. Now, I guess this is like... Uh the reveal because if he thinks you're fantastic and listens to your podcast then he'll hate me he probably knows you're talking about him right now yeah absolutely no no i'm pretty sure he knows that i don't think he's good at what he does and that somebody should have his job because there's always going to be bad guys that are that have jobs right i mean you were in the military there's probably like the worst there's probably five or six guys that were were you in a platoon well you're so i was intel so it's okay. not it's it's a far cry from the um i guess the real marine corps right and um but they try to make sure everything is that like foundational marine corps where you're you got the squad level platoon level battalion so on and so forth and uh so technically i was always a part of something but at the end of the day i was with exception to like once a month or so i was behind a computer screen yeah, ner- so- nerding out just like I did with this baseball crap, because I can't, just, just like I can't hit a 95 mile an hour fastball, I, I can't hit a target from 800 yards away. So. Yeah, you can't do it. So, like I said, there's the worst people, like the worst MLB announcer. We say the worst, the worst Major League Baseball player is still a great baseball player, but I would say the worst Major League Baseball announcer is not a good baseball announcer. Like, I would, I think that there's probably guys you could take off the street that are better than the worst play by play guy. Like it's the, it's uh, a skill. It takes a lot of work to get good at it, but there's a couple of guys that are just horrible at it, and they have no business being out there. How about the, uh, what was it, the 1998 Iowa Cubs announcer? There's one guy in the town live in right now. What year? 2003? What, what, oh, 03? I put you five years back. Sorry, bud. What year did you put me? 98. Yeah, no, 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 no. I still, uh, I had just gotten out of college. No, I was fine. I wasn't great that year, but, you know, I should have stuck with it. Then I wouldn't have gotten into sports radio. My life would have been a lot better. <sighs> just a miserable human being uh, I got a stat for you Usually it's Spader stats Here's Kushner stats I'm stealing one from Old Time Hardball Okay He's on right. Twitter at Old. Have you heard of him? Sure her? uh, no. Games 1 through 36 32 starts First 32 starts for Greg Maddox 8 and 18 559 ERA 168 whip Games 37 through 539 503 starts he had a 2.68 ERA, a 109 whip, but he won 265, lost 134. Is there a pitcher right now? I'm putting you on the spot. A pitcher right now that is a younger pitcher that has gotten off to a slow start in his career, maybe a year or two into it, that we need to stay patient with and let him just blow up. And, and I think for me, the guy that comes to the top of the head is Lucas Giolito. I think Luke Giolito is going to be one of the top 10 pitch, top 10 best pitchers for the next decade if he stays healthy. What were the game numbers for that there? Of course you just asked me. I just went past it. I don't know. It was like played 36. 36. He had like 100. He had 36 starts to start his career, and they were awful. 
Okay. Um, and then after that, like his next 500 were great. So the one guy that kind of comes to mind here, and I guess he was always serviceable, but yeah, Garrett Cole uh, making over $300 million for the Yankees now. Uh, had the two great seasons with the Astros, but prior to that, he, he really wasn't what he was supposed to be with um, with the Pirates. Uh, I, I mentioned his league average ERA uh, in his final season with the Pirates, and then, of course, took off as soon as he got to Houston. In terms of guys who were m- more recent, um, I don't know. I think Paddock was pretty good. Uh, Shane Bieber kind of uh, had a slower rookie season in terms of his ERA. He was 5% below average. And then fantastic last year, but uh, yeah, like you said, you put me on the spot. I don't, I don't really have a great answer for you. Uh, I thought it was a great answer from you. Uh, two more things to get to. First of all, seventy-two uh, percent of Americans say they're not going to a sporting event unless there is a vaccine for the COVID. Good seats still available, man. I hope that's the case because then I will be able to go to games and get terrific seats for a much better price. Yeah, I don't know if I believe seventy-two percent. Maybe this year, I, I don't really know, but I'm not downplaying the, how dangerous this virus is. But there are things that are significantly more dangerous than than this in this world. Well, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just saying, you know, 72% seems like a lot of people, and I think people are freaking out right now. I don't. I would not feel comfortable going to a game. But I'll tell you this: my five-year-old daughter came up to me the other day. She goes, "Daddy, when can we go to a baseball game again?" And I'm like. Oh, my God, this is the day I've been dreaming for. My daughter is begging for me to go to a baseball game, and I can't take her to one. Yeah, I think it, I think I think if they play – and I don't think there's going to be fans, but I think if they did play this year, I might take my kids to a game. Just the three of us, we'd stay away – we'd try to stay away from everybody else. We wouldn't eat anything. We'd bring our own food and drinks. I would go do that. Uh, before a vaccine just because i think mentally at some point in time i'm going to be breaking down so badly that it's going to be beneficial to go out and at least have the risk of getting sick as opposed to going stir crazy and and i think there are people that are mentally fall i have somebody in my family she's falling apart right now because she's stuck in the house so long yeah she can't handle it and she's in a studio apartment and she doesn't know anybody in the town that she's in and she's losing it like at some point in time you got to get out um, and, and if baseball is the way to break that, I, if, even if they don't have a vaccine, if we can get this thing quiet enough, I do feel comfortable enough to bring my kids out to a game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's going to get to a point where uh, it's, it's getting a little bit ridiculous with the, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos going on. You have a guy running on the beach and a, a cop running after him trying to take him down because he's somehow putting people at risk, I guess, by going for a jog on the beach. Uh, of course, that's in the Communist Republic of California. But oh, God. Come on, <laughs> Spader. California, I'm I love kidding. you. Wonderful beaches. Santa Monica, Venice, all the tourist places, just wonderful. San Diego, favorite town, even though I just busted my Achilles there. But anyways, go on. You yeah. and your communism it's, thing. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, of course. But the um, I, I think it's going to get to a point where there's civil unrest about the fact that people have to stay in their house it's people aren't going to want to do it at some point there the cost benefit analysis is going to be that it's more beneficial for me to go outside and live my life than stay inside if and people are going to make that choice at some point uh, i don't think anybody's quite there yet but i i agree with you in terms of people who are becoming uh, destroyed by this, by the fact that they can't socialize mm-hmm. or do anything, and uh, it's only gonna 
become more and more and more people who need something in their life outside of their home. I'll tell you, man, if, if they just had baseball without fans, that would really help me pass. If they had like a triple header every day or a double header, oh my God, life would be so much. Everything gets put in such a different perspective. And I'm not saying it's been put in perspective. It's a different perspective. And now it's like things that we took for granted. All right, baseball's coming back. Shit, dude, I'd watch the Pirates take on, I don't know, the Mariners right now. I'd watch I, that like it was the World Series, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I would watch any, any kind of baseball so long as it's live. Um, and I don't we've, – we've talked about it so many times. How are they going to do this? Is it going to be the Arizona thing? Are they going to do the um, uh, Dana White thing and rent, rent a private island? island? <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's going to happen either. I just think that we're in for a long haul, and I would not be surprised if it's – as far as going to a baseball game, I think we're looking at 2021. I think uh, it were, And we might not be looking at April 2021 either. It's you know, a it's long gonna, time. You know, it'll be interesting. Like, even regardless how many games they play or how many games they don't play this season, interesting discussion down the road is like 10, 15 years from now when you're talking about guys who finished their career with 480 home runs and they missed the entire 2020 season because of something that was out of their control. And we're, we're saying, does the guy deserve some credit for a season he never played because um, it was out of con- his control and it would have otherwise been, in all likelihood, one of his prime seasons? Mm-hmm. And uh, how this is going to impact the Hall of Fame in the future. This, this is going to have a lasting impact on baseball. It's, it's not once baseball starts, it's back to normal again. Um, and it's no different than, well, it's different in, in cause, but it, the impact will be no different than like a guy like Fred McGriff and Harold Baines, who uh, Baines took so long to get in the Hall of Fame, and McGriff never made it because of the strikes that they Have you uh, gone back, endured. real quick, have you gone back to like the wartime, World War II, when guys weren't playing? And yeah. readjusted numbers I've, there. I've looked at those many times. Like so, so, are there players that should be in the Hall of Fame that got screwed because so, I mean they l- had to save the world? One of my favorites of all time is um, Johnny Pesky. Mm. So his rookie season with the Red Sox, he was 23 years old. His rookie season, he finished third in MVP voting, led all of baseball uh, in hits with 205, batted uh, 331, 4, 375, 416. Then he, was fight, he fought in World War II at age 24, 25, 26. Sounds like he really hit the ground running. Maybe he has some sort of slump in there and doesn't have the great rookie season repeat that he, that he uh, did right off the start or right off the get-go. But then he came back in 1946, led the league in hits again, and then 47, he did it again. And in his first three seasons, which spanned six years from age 23 to 28, he batted 330, 394-11 um, with 620 hits in just three seasons played and fought three years during World War II. Now, Johnny Pesky is not a Hall of Famer. Um, if you go ahead and make the assumption, which is a huge assumption to make, that he would have led the league in hits in 43, 44, and 45 and hit close to the same number that he had in 42, 46, and 47. He'd finish with close to 2,000 career hits. His career average would be closer to 315, 320. His on-base percentage closer to 400, finished at 394. And um, maybe maybe he's in the Hall of Fame right now. The, the guys like Ted Williams and uh, Joe DiMaggio, who would have made the Hall of Fame uh, one way or the other, you know, it, it doesn't really have an impact on anything but their raw numbers. 
But there are a number of guys. Uh, one other one whose name has escaped me played for the um, Washington Senators. Uh, had a similar situation to Pesky. But Pesky is one of my favorites ever. Uh, you know, gave up his prime seasons, 24, 25, and 26, to go and serve in World War II. And then came right back and was dominant in his uh, first two seasons back. And then I mean, he's got a not, pole named after him, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I guess it's better than you and Nothing. I, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have a pole named after me. I signed Pesky's pole. They paint it every year. I, th- I think they paint it every year, though. Uh, yeah, they've had strippers go up that thing. They've had they got gum all over. It's it's a disaster. I wouldn't touch it if I were you. Yeah, you might get COVID coronavirus from it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, two other things before we get out of here, real quick. Scott Harrison Jr. or Jerry Harrison Jr. I want to say we had him on last week. It was a great interview. It was one of my favorites. I mean, we really had a blast with him. Um, I, and I want if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. I got to tell you, man, I've listened to this three times now. The story where he was talking about how his grandfather was working at a steel mill, uh, was found playing you know, like baseball, pick up baseball, basically. And he played in the Negro Leagues, had a cup of coffee in Major League Baseball, and then coached Michael Jordan for the Birmingham Barons. That, to me, just blew me away, man. I never knew that story. Absolutely amazing. There's so many of those, too. Like, all these guys that play now, but especially the guys that have been retired 5, 10, 30, 40, 50, these guys have the best stories in the world. And there's no other sport that you can tell me where the stories are as good and as bountiful as there are in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I was. Uh, I really enjoyed Harrison's interview. You know, it's funny because when he told me, he was like, "Oh, dude, I got like ten minutes. Uh, I I want to be able to give you guys some time." But uh, we ended up going for like twenty five, and he had some awesome stories. Yeah. Uh, and his uh, his grandfather, um, we'll leave the other numbers out of it. But let's say he finished his uh, major league career with a career four hundred batting average. Nice. One of five, the greatest hitters five. of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to hear. <laughs> All right, so I want to remind everybody, this is it on our next show. So what is that, Thursday night? So the next podcast, we'll tape Thursday. So you'll find out Thursday or Friday, we will announce the winner of MLB The Show, uh, a free copy of MLB The Show. All you got to do is leave a comment or rating, five-star rating, and your memory of the greatest walk-off you've ever seen. You'll be automatically eligible. We'll pick out one guy or later, and we'll send you a copy of MLB The Show. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here, buddy? Uh, no. I Great. I'm glad it. I asked you that question. For Ryan Spader at the Ace of Spader, I'm Holden Kushner, and we will catch you later in the week with a top secret special guest. <laughs>